Hey, how's it going, church? You guys doing okay? And we're awake, all right, good stuff. Hey, welcome to Christ Community. Those of you who are here in the room, those of you who are with us online, awesome to be together. Thanks for being part of church with us this weekend. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that we get to be together this weekend. Thanks for coming and being part of this. Um, this is week two of our series on family. And we're talking about how to have healthy rhythms in chaotic times and, and really build some health into the lives of our families who are part of our church. And this is, if, you're, if you don't have kids yet, if you have kids and you're in the middle of it, if your kids are growing, like this is for all of us. This is, this is great stuff. And so I'm really thankful and excited that you are here today. Um, I thought since we're in a family series, it might be fun to kind of start with um, some cute things that kids have said. And these are collected from teachers, from tests, and from homework, and I got a little chuckle out of them. One little kid on a test said, most of the houses in France are made of plaster of Paris. <laughs> the spinal column is a long bunch of bones. The head sits on the top, and you sit on the bottom. <laughs> so right, it's so right. The four seasons are salt, pepper, mustard, and vinegar. So sorta, almost, partial credit, right? You get partial credit for that if you're a compassionate teacher. Okay, so um, kids also make us laugh when it comes to their spiritual life, and so some churches have collected some prayers that were written by kids, and I've enjoyed these. Um, Dear God, are you really invisible, or is that just a trick? Little Neil wanted to know that. Um, Dear God, did you mean for a giraffe to look like that, or was it an accident? This is Norma's question. Dear God, dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's all right. Um, we all resonate with this. Dear God, I bet it's hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family and I could never do it. <laughs> so kids say some things, there've been some, some cool things that people have said about children over history of humankind. So going all the way back to 400 years before Jesus, Socrates, could I climb the highest place in Athens? I would lift my voice and proclaim, fellow citizens, why do you turn and scrape every stone to gather wealth and take so little care of your children to whom one day you must relinquish it all? This is a great statement. Winston Churchill, back in 1943, there's no finer investment for any community than putting milk into babies. And if we go back to Jesus, beautiful statement recorded in Matthew's gospel. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So I love what Jesus said and that, that moment in which he said it, it, it reads like it was such a sweet moment and, and it was. We, we get to see a lot about Jesus in that. We, we see that he, that he cares about children, he loves children, he wants them to come and be near to him. We see, his, we see his kindness, we see his goodness, we see his gentleness, we see his humility. In that moment, it was, such, it was such a sweet moment. We learn a lot about Jesus in the and, and, and. That moment had a lot of weight to it. When Jesus made this statement about children, it wasn't just this sweet little moment. It was, it was, a, it was a weighty moment, it was a heavy moment in his life and relationship with his followers, because when Jesus made this statement, it was actually a rebuke. It was a rebuke. So Jesus was out 
and, and there were always crowds around him, and so there were people around him, and some parents had brought their children to be blessed and prayed for by Jesus. And Jesus' followers got in between the parents, little kids, and Jesus, and you can't see Jesus right now, and, and I'm sure Jesus had a lot going on in that moment, right? Because when, when Jesus was out, there were people who needed to be healed, there were sick people who were around him, and that's important work. There was important stuff that Jesus needed to do, and there were people who were spiritual issues and demon possession, and Jesus was setting people free, and, and so and there, he was teaching, he was teaching life-changing kind of stuff, stuff that was changing the world. Jesus had these important things that he was doing, and so his followers, I don't think they were meaning to be jerks, but they were being jerks, getting in between Jesus and the little kids, because Jesus has more important things to do, and so Jesus rebukes them. And he says to him, hey, let, let the children come to me, don't, don't hinder them. And, and in saying that, Jesus is doing something that in that culture that Jesus spoke these words, like they would have caught it, but, but often we can read right past it, because at least when I read it, it sounds to me like Jesus is saying, hey, if, like, you know, they're already on their way to me, so, so let them come and don't do anything to get in their way. Right? And, and, and it reads like it's just kind of this neutral, let them come and don't get in their way. That's not what's happening here. If, if we could see this, like if we could see this in, in that first century context where Jesus is speaking these words, what happens after Jesus says this is when Jesus says, hey, let them come to me and, and don't hinder them, you see Jesus' first followers they were moving people out of the way. They were grabbing parents and saying, hey, bring your kid and usher. Like they, they were doing what it took to get those kids to Jesus because what Jesus is doing, he makes these little statements and, and it happens sometimes, we see it in the scripture where there's this, this positive statement and this negative statement and they go together and together they kind of feel like they're neutral. The positive statement, hey, let them come to me and the negative statement, don't let them hinder me and it just sounds like, hey, if they're on their way, it'd be okay and it's all good. It's kind of like in the Lord's Prayer. There's another one of these in the Lord's Prayer towards the end. It's the part we pray, lead us not into temptation. That's the negative statement, but deliver us from evil. And it sounds like when you put those two together, it sounds like we're saying, hey, hey please just don't let anything bad happen to me today. Right, but that's, that's not what we're praying, right? That's, that's not what I'm praying when I'm praying those words, and that's not what Jesus said to pray. Jesus didn't say, hey, just ask God to, keep anything bad happening from you today. When you have that negative and that positive together, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. We're not just praying this stuff. This is like, hey, lead me into the good, right? Lead me away from the bad and lead me into the good. Don't just deliver me from evil. Like, put your hand of blessing and protection on me. It's this, it's this big ask. And so when Jesus looks at his followers in this moment about the kids and says, hey, let the little children come to me don't hinder them. He's not just saying, hey, let them come if they happen to be on their way and don't get in their way. He's saying, do what it takes. Do what it takes for these children to come to me. He's talking to the grown-ups around him and he says to the grown-ups, hey, these kids, I love them. They're important to me. These kids, I want them close. You're the grown-ups. You do what it takes to get these kids close to me. So what I'd like us to talk about together today and this weekend, we're in a series on a family. I'd like to talk with us as grownups about our role 
in, in kids coming to Jesus and the importance of that in our lives, individual people and in our families and also in our church about hearing Jesus when he says, hey, you do what it takes for these children to come to me. And so as, as we think about this, I'd like to start, I want us to look at it first from heaven's perspective and then think about it from an earthly perspective, our perspective. So, I, so Jesus has, like there's responsibility on people to help kids come to Jesus. And so I'd really like us to think about from heaven's perspective, okay, this is from heaven's perspective, there are really three layers of responsibility for kids coming to Jesus. And so let me just start with the first layer of responsibility. When, when Jesus says, hey, let them come, the first layer of responsibility, though, is not on the grown-ups and the kids. It's actually the kids themselves have responsibility to come to Jesus. So if we think about responsibility for coming, the first thing, each we all have individual responsibility before God. So each child has a responsibility to, to move towards and to come to Jesus. And I think it's important for us to talk about this as grown-ups who love kids and are influential in the lives of kids, we have to recognize that, that first off, we can't make decisions for our kids. Spiritually, spiritually speaking, you can't make a decision for them. And, and so we can, we can influence and we can lead. We have, we have a role to play, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes, but, but you can't make a decision for your kid. Each, each child has a responsibility before God to, to say yes to Jesus' invitation to come to him and to exercise the faith that God is giving to them and to be yes people in relationship with God and nurturing that relationship with him. Each, each person has responsibility before God. God doesn't have any grandkids, right? And so, so you, can't, you can't make spiritual decisions for your kids that lays on them, and so I think it's important for us to recognize that. Second reason I think it's important for us to recognize this is because we can't make spiritual decisions for our kids. And, and for some of us, like we, see, we see our kids making spiritual decisions, and they're not going the direction we would choose. And the weight of that is heavy on a parent, right? If you're experiencing that in your life, the weight, the weight on a parent, their kids, it, it, is, it is a heavy weight. And, and what the enemy of your soul would like for you to spend the next little bit is spinning around, what could I done better? What could I have done differently? What could I? They get to make their own decisions, right? And they have a relationship with God and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't deal with them through you. He deals with them and so, they're responsible before him, and, and he'll take care of that. So there's this section of the scripture that, that really shows this responsibility that each child has before God. It comes out of the Old Testament book of Joshua, and it's connected to this event in the life of God's ancient people, the ancient nation of Israel, and he had rescued his people from from slavery in Egypt, and he had walked them to the edge of this land that he had promised to give to them. And the grown-ups in that day said, nah, we're not, we're not going in there. Like, that's a scary spot, we're not going in there. And so they got to wander in the wilderness 
for 40 years and so their kids got to go in and then when those kids grew up and that generation died off. This is where we're kind of jumping in here. It's in Joshua, or excuse me, Judges chapter two, verses eight and 10 through 15. So I'm gonna read this for a minute for us. So Joshua, son of Nun. So you might recognize his name if you grew up in church. He's a servant of the Lord. He died at the age of 110. So he got to live a long time. They buried him in the land of his inheritance. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew neither the Lord nor what he'd done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, the false gods. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baals and the Ashtoreths. And in his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around them whom they were no longer able to resist. And whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. So, so Joshua and that generation, Joshua lived to 110, that generation, there were some heroes of the faith in that generation. There were some men and women who knew God and who loved him and who followed after him. They weren't perfect, but they had faith. And, and not all of them, but there were some heroes of the faith in that generation. And somehow, somehow the, the baton of faith between that generation and their kids, somehow that baton of faith got dropped. And so in, in the dropping of that baton of faith, the kids, they chose to go their own way. They chose to go their own direction. They didn't get a pass because their parents were faithful, they had an individual relationship with God, and what you'll notice is those faithful parents are not blamed for the spiritual choices of their children. And so, so here we are, like each child is individually responsible before God, and, and he deals with them, and again, he doesn't hold them responsible for stuff that they can't understand, God is loving, and he is good, and he is fair, above all else, like he is he is loving and he is fair. He's merciful to us. But each one of us has, a, has an individual relationship with God and we're individually responsible before him. And so, so as we're talking about this, I think we ought to start that spot. Now, as, as parents and as grown-ups in the lives of kids, we have a lot of influence. So that's really, from heaven's perspective, that's the next layer of of responsibility for kids coming to Jesus. Let the little children come to me, don't hinder them, do what it takes to get them to me, Jesus says. So the next layer of responsibility then is with the parents. And we talked about this a little bit, actually we talked more than a little bit, we talked about that quite a bit last week. So if you weren't here last week, um, I'd invite you to go back to our, go to our website and go back to the messages and listen to last week's message and talk about the responsibility that parents have to pass on their faith. We looked at these first verses in Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six and seven. God says this, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, right? It starts with your heart and then impress them on your children. And so it, it starts with us and then we get, to, we get to impress these things on their kids, the passing on our kids, the passing of the baton of faith. I love Psalm 116, verse 16, 
the psalmist says, truly, I'm your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You freed me from my chains. He said, the psalmist has watched mom and is following in mom's footsteps. And she served you and now I serve you. It's just this generational thing that like she gave her faith to me. In Ephesians chapter six, verse four, there's this statement to, to dads. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Don't do stuff that aggravates them and makes them mad. Don't get in their way, things of faith. Instead, like we get to pass the spiritual baton. As dads, we get to pass the spiritual baton in the lives of our kids. 2 Timothy 1.5, so Timothy is this young pastor in the Apostle Paul's life. He's in the second generation of Christian people. Right after Jesus died, rose again, ascended back to heaven. Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, hey, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Like what, like a mentor speaking to him and saying, hey, I see, I see your faith and I'm thinking about it right now. I'm, th- I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. And so it's just this generational thing that these grandparents, parents are passing faith down to kids because because we have a lot of influence in their lives. As moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles, we have a lot of influence in their lives. And and so we're responsible before the Lord, not for the decisions that they make, but for what we can do. So, So what we can do for parents, let me offer you just a few things as you think through what this looks like for you and in your life and having that kind of influence in your kids where you're passing the baton of faith. So the first thing is to model faith for them. And I would say let them, like part of modeling is, is like just doing what you do, but sometimes you gotta let them catch you doing what you do. I remember when our kids were little, and if, if you weren't here last week or you don't know this, um, our kids are grown. I have four kids and only one of them's married, so now we got five kids. We count her in our family too. Um, they are 32 to 24 years old, so they're, they're grown and gone. And empty nesting, it's like, <laughs> you'll make it someday. If you've got littles, you're gonna make it, right? They grow up. Um, we say that with joy and we say that with a little bit of sadness. They grow up. So, so we were in the thick of it. We were in the thick of it with our little kids and I worked at a church back then and I was just kind of moaning to the director of our children's ministries about how like, it is impossible to have a time of Bible reading and prayer when you have little kids. And she was 20 years older than me at that point and she listened patiently and, and then she kind of laughed because you know she was an empty nester at that point and we do laugh at you guys. And, and she just said, you know, it's good for them to catch you doing that. It's good for them to catch you doing that, to catch you engaging in things that build your relationship with God. And I've thought about that a lot of times since then, in, when we were in the thick of it, and even now, the struggle that we have as parents of, of being able to have some quiet and some private time, pay attention to our spiritual life. It's really difficult when there's little kids running around and they need you, and I don't know if your house was like my house was, but it didn't matter how early I got up. It seemed like there was something about opening a Bible that woke up all the little kids, you know? And it just, so it didn't matter. And, and when you think about it that way, it helped me to think about, this is modeling. This is modeling the practices of our faith. Yeah, we took them to church. We brought them to church all the time. 
And as we talked about last week, like they need to see, they need to see more than just weekends. Right? They need to see daily in your life. They need to see you doing the things that we talk about at church. And they need to see the things that we talk about at church and the stuff you're doing every day making a difference in your life. They watch you over time. So you get to, so you get to, you get to be an example of this. You get to model this out. And they get to see your growth, your spiritual development, your change over time. And so you get to, you get to model for them what it looks like to be a Christian person. And then to teach. And I'm not talking about lectures and shoving stuff down their throat and, and making sure they know the right answer. When I talk about teaching, I, I really think there's more to what we talked about last week from Deuteronomy 6. These things are supposed to be on your heart and impress them on your children. It says the next thing, it's like talk about these things when you get up and when you lay down and when you're walking down the road, like when you're going about your everyday life, like this is part of your conversation and there's a lot of teaching that happens as we're modeling and as we're able to have conversations. It's conversational learning. It's not just like, hey, sit down and we're gonna, I'm gonna tell you some stuff and then you're gonna parrot it back to me to make sure you got the right answers. We, we want you to know the content of your faith and we want you to know the person in whom you've put your trust, right? And so we're not just teaching our kids facts, we're teaching them to know the Lord. Marie did a great job of this with our kids. She taught our kids how to have quiet time. She taught them, she taught them how she does it, she taught them how to do it the way that she does it from, from when they could kind of sort through the little kid's Bible. Like from the earliest days when they could sort of read and they could start writing some things out, she taught them, so we didn't, she didn't just know some stuff, we wanted to know how to know the Lord. And so to teach them, to model for them, and to teach them, and we, we had family devotions some as a family, you grew up in church, like that was a thing, especially in the 90s, when we were raising our kids, and and for us, like we grew up in family devotion families and, and had to learn the on our own stuff. And so we kind of swung the other way. And we taught our kids, like we wanted our kids to know how to know the Lord. And so as parents, we get the, we get the opportunity and we have the responsibility to teach and then to lead, to lead them. You know, they, they won't, like they need leadership. And you're a spiritual leader. If you're grown up in a kid's life, you're a spiritual leader you get to help set the spiritual temperature for their life. They ultimately, they ultimately choose the spiritual temperature, but you get to influence it. And so we get to lead them, we get to coach, encourage, equip, challenge, challenge them to take next steps, celebrate with them when things go well. And when they get knocked down, you pick them up and dust them off and send them back in there. You know, I mean, it's like we get to be their coaches. We have this great responsibility and we have this great privilege of being able to help our kids come to Jesus. And so, so when, from heaven's perspective, again, these layers of responsibility, it starts with each individual child. They have, they have an individual responsibility before God. And then for us as parents, like we get a chance, we get a chance to have a strong influence to that. And so, so we'll be responsible before God for the influence that we have. And then the third layer of responsibility is, is the church. It's the church. When, when God gave this charge to his people to get these kids to me, he did he did not leave the church out of it. Like the church is part of this. So the church has a responsibility of, of helping introduce kids to Jesus. I love Psalm 78. It's one of my favorite Psalms. 
because it talks about passing the baton of faith from one generation to the next. So just read you a few verses from this psalm. Psalmist says, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with the parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we've heard and known, things our ancestors told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders that he's done. He decreed statutes for Jacob, the ancient nation of Israel, and he established the law in Israel which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children and then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. Like this is, this is the baton of faith and, and not just so everybody knows the rules, not just so everybody has a box that they're gonna check, not just so everybody looks like they're a Christian. We pass the baton of faith so that the next generation would put their trust in God and not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commands. And because they keep his commands, they get to live in the stream of his blessing. And so this is for the church. This is, this is not just the parents. This is to the Psalm 78. It's a celebration of the community of God's people, of passing the baton of faith that was passed to us, that we pass to our kids, who in turn pass it to their kids we get to see generation after generation of children who will put their trust in God, not forget his deeds and keep his commands. And so I, just, I love that four generation baton passing that's in this verse. We received it from our ancestors. They didn't hide anything from us. They told us and we've taken it and we've taken hold of it and we've let it become ours. It's our faith. And we passed it on to our kids and they took the baton. And guess what? They're taking hold of it and they get to figure out how to live out this faith in their context, in the way that the culture shifts and moves. They don't live it out exactly like we lived it out. Each generation gets to figure out how do we live this out in the context in which we are. They take hold of it. And as they take hold of it, then they pass that on to their kids who get to figure out what it looks like to live as people who trust God and who don't forget what he's done and who are gonna live in obedience to him and live in the stream of his blessing. The church plays an incredibly important role in the lives of, of kids coming to Jesus. And so, so when we think about this from, from heaven's perspective, there really are, there are really these, these three layers of responsibility. Each child has a responsibility to believe on their own. Parents, we have a responsibility before God in order to use the influence that God has given to them and then the church. The church has a responsibility to be part of passing the baton of our faith to the next generation. So that's, that's from heaven's perspective. So could I, could I shift this now and, and talk for a couple of minutes about, about from our perspective? You know, so this is, this is from Earth's perspective, taking these things, Jesus' statement, let the little children come to me. Don't get, make sure they come to me. Like you do what it takes to bring these kids to me. From Earth's perspective, there's a couple of things, and I think these are really for parents. The first thing for you to know is that your church 
is a God-given resource for bringing your kids to Jesus. Like the church, I almost wrote on this, on this slide, I almost put it is the God-given resource for bringing your kids to Jesus. That's almost accurate. It's not 100% accurate. It is, but it is, it is a God-given resource for bringing your kids to Jesus, your, your church. And so that next statement there then follows, it is really hard for your kids to come to Jesus without being connected at church. It's really hard. They, now, God in his mercy brings people to Jesus who were not part of church as a kid. It is not impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. My parents were first generation Christian people. Neither one of them ever darkened the door of a church when they were kids. God brings people into relationship with him as grownups, but it is really hard for your kids to come to Jesus when they are not connected at a church. And so for those of you who are the grownups to kids, who have say-so in their lives, who have opportunity to influence them, your church, your church is really important. Your engagement in your church and them being engaged in your church is I can't say how important it is. I don't have the words to say to you how important it is in passing on your faith and helping your kids come to Jesus. Do what it takes to get them to me, Jesus says. And he's given, he's given us as grownups a church to partner with them. So I'm thinking about this and a couple things I, I love at Kid City, which is our children's ministry, the first sentence on the website is, is our philosophy. We partner with parents in laying the spiritual foundation for children to be lifelong followers of Jesus. So we, Christ community, see ourselves in partnership with parents. Remember, the layers of responsibility. The kids have an individual decision. We wanna, we wanna partner with you in laying the foundation for kids to make the right decisions spiritually. We can't make the decision for them. You as parents can't make decisions for them, but we can, we can partner with you and together we can lay a foundation in their lives for them to be lifelong followers after Jesus. And so we have this beautiful opportunity as a church to be deeply involved in, in bringing kids to Jesus. And so really grateful that we see ourselves in partnership. In today's world, as parents, rightly, we, um, we delegate out a lot of things to do with our kids, right? We, we often delegate their sports stuff to a coach and to a league and their school stuff to teachers and to a school system. And we delegate like their food stuff to Culver's and McDonald's, right? Like we, we delegate a lot of things out in our lives. As parents, you don't get to delegate spiritual growth and development of your child to the church. Like that's, we're partners and we're a great resource, but, but we're not, we're not it. You get to be it, and you get to, like, we'll come alongside you, and we want to, as a church, I'll speak for Christ's community, we want to have your back in this. Like, we wanna be with you, we are for you, we, we want for your kids what you want for them as they become lifelong followers of Jesus, like, we want to have your back in this, and so, so use, use this resource that God has given to you. Have them at church, have them connected here so that they get the experience of, of people handing the baton of faith to them. So again, prepping for our time together, I was, 
I was thinking about this. So Marie and I raised our kids in church, and I just, I wrote down, I wanna, I wanna end this time by sharing five reasons I'm really glad that, that our kids were raised in church. And so that you know, I was not a pastor when all this started. This is something that's come in in the last 20 years for us, not the last 32 years for us. And so, so these are five reasons when we started, like we raised our kids in church. So first, it gave them other grown-ups who knew them, loved them, were for them, and helped them move towards Jesus. All the research, all the research shows that if you want your kids to do well, you have to have, it can't be just you, you've gotta have other grown-ups in their lives. And it doesn't matter what you want them to do well in. They have to have other grown-ups who are seeing them, hearing them, or being for them, and this, this is for their faith development too, and we're so thankful that they had other grown-ups in their lives who knew them, loved them, were for them, and helped them move towards Jesus. Um, there was always age-appropriate Bible instruction and application. The Bible was never a book full of boring stuff for grown-ups, for our kids. The curriculum our kids' ministries used made it, made it age-appropriate for them, it made it relevant to what was going on in their lives, understandable to them. The Holy Spirit made it alive in their hearts, but the kids' ministry, the teachers who taught them in Kid City, in our version of Kid City, like he, they gave the Holy Spirit an awful lot to work with. And so I'm, I'm thankful that our kids grew up with other grown-ups looking at them and teaching them what the Bible says and about how to live that out in ways that were relevant to them right then. And our kids, this is the third one, they were given relevant, fun-filled opportunities to serve God and other people. They were always tagging along with us. It, they tagged along with us some, and it wasn't always fun for them, and it wasn't stuff that they wanted to do again, but because they were part of a church, and a church that cared about kids, then they got this opportunity to be part of stuff that was relevant to them, and it was fun for them, and it was teaching them how to serve God and how to serve other people, and we're super grateful for that. They made friends who pulled them up when others were trying to drag them down. They had, they had friends at church, and you know, they were kids, so they weren't perfect friendships, and there was some drama going on, usually most of the time, but there were always some friends who, when, when people at school or people in the community were trying to drag them down, there were always some, there were always some friends who were, who were dragging them up and who were helping them move towards Jesus, who were helping them understand who Jesus is and what he says about them and what he thinks of them and pointing them towards him. So grateful that they had peers, they always had peers in their life who were helping them move towards Jesus. And then this last one, our kids, because they were raised in church, they have this lifelong spiritual habit, and they're now passing that on to my grandkids. And, and so that's Psalm 78. One of the things I love about Psalm 78, it's four generations. And I'm getting to live in this. My parents passed this faith on. Marie's parents passed their faith on to us. And we've now passed it on to our kids, and they're now passing it on to our grandkids. And, and we get to see our grandkids growing up connected to their church and experiencing other grown-ups who see them and hear them and know them and love them and wanna help them follow after Jesus. Like they're, We're doing what we can. We're doing what we can. They have a responsibility, but we're doing what we can as the grown-ups in their life to use the influence that God has given us so that, so that our, our grandkids now follow Jesus. Because Jesus looked at his people. He looked at his people and he said, let the little children come to me and don't get in their way. Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. Do what it takes to get them to me because, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like these little kids. And so parents, parents, you have, you have a great responsibility and you have a great opportunity and you have a great church that loves your kids and wants, wants to help you help them find Jesus. And so, so use your church in that. And church, 
we have a great privilege and we have a great responsibility to help the kids that God has brought into our church family make their way to Jesus. We, we get to be a big part of this. So I wanna pray for us. I wanna pray for us as a church. I wanna pray for the families in our church. And then when I say amen, Trisha's gonna come out and wrap all this up. Would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. We, we heard it during worship and we sang about that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What you've done, thank you. Thank you that you, you see our kids and you know them and you love them and Jesus, you call them to you. And so we want our kids to be yes people. Help us as parents, grandparents and aunts and uncles, grownups and kids' lives to model this for them, to model being yes people and using our influence to to help them come to you. Thank you for being part of a church that, that prioritizes this, that values this. Thank you for, for the countless sacrifices that are made by the people who are part of these worship services and call Christ's community their home so that our kids do come to know you, Jesus, do come to you and come follow after you. We're really grateful that we get to be part of this. Thanks for letting people like us be part of something like this. And so we pray these things, Jesus, in your name, because all this comes to us through you. Amen. Thanks, guys. Blessings. Tricia? Thanks, Daryl. I was, as I was listening to Daryl's message and I um, wasn't sure exactly what he was gonna talk about, those last five things are really everything I was gonna talk about. So, really important, all of those things that he said um, are really a part of what we come alongside of as a church. And um, I was thinking back to when my husband and I first started coming here 15 years ago. And one of the things that drew us in was the vibrant family ministry that was happening. There were so many amazing things happening with the kids and with the youth, and I could tell that this church has such a passion for our next generation, and we still have such a passion for our next generation, and it is incredible to get to see all of the ways in which God is using our kids' ministry and our, our student ministry, and it truly is a resource, parents. If you're a parent of a child or a student, it truly is a resource for you to have them plugged in here at church, and um, we have a great kids' program during Sunday morning services down the hall called Kid City, as he referenced. Um, we love to see kids worshiping God and to all of our adults that are investing in the lives of these kids, it is incredible. Um, as well as our student ministry on Sunday nights and our midweek program with Awana on Wednesday nights, um, I just wanna encourage you that um, these are incredible opportunities for your kids and students to be a part of. And for, for you, if you are empty nesters or you don't have kids currently in your home, Come be a part of this ministry. We're, we have a spot for you. I'm, I, we always have a spot open somewhere. And it's just such a joy to get to be a part of seeing kids come to know, love, and serve Christ. And so I would just really encourage you in that. Um, also, today, before you leave, if you are a guest with us today, please feel free to stop at the welcome desk. We would love to be able to get to know you, fill out a Connect card. Um, if you're joining us online, you can hit the Connect button, and we'll follow up with you this week. And then also, if you are um, just thinking about through the message that maybe you could use some prayer today. Maybe there's something that's weighing heavy on your heart as a parent 
Maybe there's something that you walked in with and um, it's just been heavy uh, on your heart. Don't leave today without um, getting prayer. We'll have a prayer team up front here for you. Um, We'd love to pray with you before you go. So thanks for being with us. Have a great rest of your weekend.